0: This is a this is a trend across uh, Pennsylvania, but in uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, um, they've still struggled to recover since the uh, since the pandemic downturn hit.
1: Welcome to Pennsylvania in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. If you have not already, we ask you to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes of Pennsylvania in Focus. Now here's your host, Dan McCaleb. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to the Pennsylvania in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. I'm Alan Wooden, managing editor of the Center Square Newswire service. Pennsylvania in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. We are recording on Thursday, June 23. Dan McCaleb, our regular host and the executive editor of the Center Square, is not with us again today, but I am happy to have Anthony Henning, our Pennsylvania reporter. Anthony, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? It's a good day. I hope uh, everybody is uh, fine wherever they may be around Pennsylvania as they listen today. Uh, Let's get right to the news. one of the things that uh, you reported on during the past week is uh, a little follow-up to the impact of the pandemic. And you dived in on uh, a couple of cities, namely uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. How are they doing?
0: Yeah, so uh, this, is a, this is a trend across uh, Pennsylvania. But in uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, um, they've still struggled to recover since the, uh, <laughs> since the pandemic downturn hit. Um, their economic performance is still fairly lackluster. Um, their job levels are still below, um, what they were pre pandemic. Um, so this is an issue, I think, especially for Pennsylvania, um, because this is not just relegated to part of the state or anything. This is on, you know, Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania, um, without these larger cities growing or attracting more people coming in, um, it's been harder for the state at large to grow economically or also by population. Um, so this has some kind of uh, long-term issues ahead um, that also, you can say the same about uh, smaller cities in Pennsylvania, such as Allentown, Harrisburg, Lancaster, Scranton, Erie, Reading, and York. Um, th- those smaller cities, uh, they've done slightly better than uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh have, but they're still, um, job postings have been up but as far as the number of jobs um, being held, they're still low, still below what we were uh, March of uh, 2020, unfortunately.
1: All right, and as you've, um, I, I know you pay attention to what goes on elsewhere uh, in in the country and also just outside of uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, how do how do the cities uh, in, in our state here? How are they faring? Is it better, worse, roughly the same as, as what you hear about for other ones?
0: Uh, so you can look at this as sort of a regional problem going on here. Um, essentially, places that were growing before the pandemic hit, uh, they tend to be doing a little better. But places that weren't growing before the pandemic hit, um, they're still kind of on a slide or stagnating. Um, so when you look at these cities and areas you know, around the Great Lakes and the Midwest, um, Appalachia, the Northeast, um, in general, um, most of those places are still growing slowly or not coming back. Whereas if you look at, um, you know, the places that have been growing down South and North Carolina, Texas, um, even some of the non-coastal cities in California have actually been growing. Um, Arizona is another big one, Utah, um, those places tend to be doing fairly well. Um, which is interesting because it seems like it's, it's not so much, uh, you know, these uh, permanent splits or anything like that, but it's more cities that were basically doing well before the pandemic. Uh, that hasn't changed for them. They might not be roaring like they once were, but they're still steadily adding jobs. Um, but these cities that have been struggling for uh, for a while beforehand Um, The pandemic has kind of made that worse or um, local and state leaders have not necessarily uh, seen this downturn of the pandemic as a push to do something transformative or something, um, you know, something fairly dramatically differently. Um, And this is having some, you know, some of these long term problems are still not being solved, but it also doesn't seem like people uh, are necessarily grasping the, uh, the big issues here. So it's, uh, you know, it could be worse, but also it could be a lot better in Pennsylvania, it appears.
1: Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure a lot of other places feel the same way. Moving on to a, another story that we we saw in the news this past week, uh, the Republican Policy Committee uh, has been hearing, uh, holding some hearings. Uh, they've talked about inflation, economic growth, uh, some of the other problems that are facing Pennsylvania. Um tax experts and business leaders uh, uh, they've got a little burr under their saddle Share share with us what's going on there
0: yeah, so this is uh yeah again, this has been a long-running series of hearings um, focused on the problems with inflation and some of these um you know the economic issues that people have been squeezed with in recent months. um you know clearly it's an election year. um it's no surprise that Republicans will be talking about these issues um just because you know generally when uh, when the party in power is uh, having trouble with some economic issues, the party out of power is going to do better. Um, so, you know, clearly there is a uh, political angle in holding these hearings in the first place. But at the same time, uh, some of it has been fairly uh, fairly insightful, fairly interesting. Um, this recent uh, hearing focused much more on um, sort of the state's tax system and um, how, to, how to improve economic growth. Um, so it had a number of tax experts appearing to talk. Um, What attracted attention is something that's also attracted attention from both the Republicans and Democrats in the state is Pennsylvania's high um, corporate net income tax, which is at 9.99%. One uh, expert, uh, Joe Bishop Henchman, who is the executive director of the National Taxpayers Union Foundation, uh, stated that any plan that purports to improve Pennsylvania's competitiveness and future prospects that does not cut the nine point nine nine percent business tax is not serious. Um, so this this is something that's been cu- that's come under fire for a few years because um, it's something that businesses started in Pennsylvania struggle with. It's something that uh, businesses looking to relocate tend to write Pennsylvania off as a result. We we've seen a few bills floating around right now where Re- Republicans want to reduce that down. I, I think the biggest change would get it down to. I believe five point nine nine percent over four or five years, kind of taking it step by step to make sure that the revenue is not dramatically declining. Um, even Democratic Governor Tom Wolf has proposed lowering uh, the corporate net income tax. So th- this is an area that it seems both parties are looking to knock that down. Um, we've we've seen you know other similar issues of this, just the the business environment, either taxing or regulatory problems, um, trying to get you know the uh, the green light from local or state officials, um, this is, this is a long running problem that Pennsylvania has had. And it seems like we're hitting a point where, um, everyone's taking it seriously and we'll probably see some action on that in the coming months. Um, also another issue has been, uh, Pennsylvania's approach is kind of one of these modified approaches where it's not so much, uh, statewide or universal, um, tax changes so much as there's a problem. And then, uh, a, uh, a certain industry will be targeted to get some sort of tax relief, generally in the form of a tax break, uh, maybe a state subsidy, uh, and that's sort of that. That's a little bit more of a problem for uh, broad-based growth. Um, generally, uh, the tax tax is disappearing. Uh, recommended looking at uh, states like Utah, North Carolina, or Indiana, who had kind of these similar approaches. Where Pennsylvania historically was a large manufacturing state. Um, agricultural state. And so they would do these uh, targeted uh, relief to those industries. Whereas now when you look at states like Utah or North Carolina, um, you know, they still have their problems, but they've done a better job of moving away from that and trying to do a a broad universal uh, tax reduction or tax simplification. Um, So that's, that's been where the focus is of trying to get Pennsylvania's growth going, not so much targeting one or two favored companies or industries, but trying to do it uh, in a more widespread way so it would benefit all um, entrepreneurs or all business owners.
1: And, and just to uh, help our listeners if, if the if the number seems uh, high when you talk about going from 9.99 down to uh, below six, uh, when we talk about that business tax, where where is that business tax hitting the business? Where, where are they get where is the, the point at which they're getting assessed that money?
0: Yeah. So, uh, something like corporate net income tax, that's generally coming in before, um, you know, before other, uh, taxes are hitting. It's basically, uh, it's, it's, basically a, you can think of it as a tax on um, production rather than a tax on consumption or something like that. Um, so it's, it's, it's taxes like that, that people are concerned, uh, that when you tax, uh, production, uh, you're discouraging business growth. Whereas if you're taxing, um, some other parts or, you know, a low, Um, sales tax that's going across consumers, um, that has less of a distortionary effect on business activity. Um, So this is one of those things where it it can hit. um, It's not necessarily a major um, revenue source. Um, This past year, it actually has been because um, the uh, Independent Fiscal Office of the state did not expect um, the uh, revenue to come in. So you've seen a lot of growth this year, but next year that'll level off And it's not a uh, it's not as major a source of funding for the state as one might think it is since it's hitting corporations. Uh, But, you know, those those taxes get passed on to consumers in different forms. Any sort of higher um, cost on production is going to get filtered down in some way, shape or form.
1: All right. Very good. Uh, Sticking with a little bit of the uh, pandemic news, uh, you looked at a uh, data report from the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center uh, during the past week. Uh, It looks at Pennsylvania higher education. And, um, you know, uh, back in the last quarter century or so, there was a big push. Everybody go to college, go to college, get your degree um 6.4% enrollment drop for freshmen since the spring of 2020 just 2 years ago that's pretty significant isn't it
0: yes um it's also uh you know we you have the bad news and then we have we have the worst news um Pennsylvania has seen a dramatic drop in its uh state higher ed system pasi which is about 14 uh, public universities across the state um But the problem is uh, the system hit its peak student enrollment back in, I believe, 2010 or 2012. Um, So this is not, you know, this is not a pandemic-induced student decline. This is a reflection of a long-term decline that the state has been seeing. Um, And this is also unfortunate because due to, uh, you know, population stagnation or the college-age student population shrinking in Pennsylvania, Um, a lot of these universities, uh, plan for, you know, building updates, um, dormitory expansions, this sort of thing right at the peak. Um, so you see with, with some, uh, some universities, uh, you know, they built these new dorms, but then they only had a, uh, I I think the, uh, actual, uh, vacancy rate was something in terms of 30, 40% for some of these newer dorms, which put, universities in more debt than they needed to have. Um, it also puts them in uh, more of a bind with a uh, financial burden. Um, so this is not this is not a trend that only Pennsylvania is seeing. A lot of states have seen uh, freshman enrollments drop, especially since the pandemic. Um, it's national but it is hitting Pennsylvania harder just because Pen- this has been happening in Pennsylvania um, for years at this point. Um, it's also not just Pennsylvania's four-year colleges, um, community colleges, in Pennsylvania and nationally, have been uh, hit fairly hard um, since spring 2020. Community colleges have seen a 27% drop in freshman enrollment um, compared to four-year public colleges. It's been about 12%. Uh, you know, so this is hit. This is hitting these two-year programs harder than four-year programs. Um, it's hitting the public universities harder than it is the private universities. Uh, so this is especially a bind because uh, you know Pennsylvania state system has done an admiral, admirable job about um, not waving away the problem anymore. They've consolidated um, six universities into three. Um, they're trying to find ways to cut costs and this sort of thing. Uh, by the same time, for these sorts of reforms and for uh, looking ahead to the future, uh, they're asking the General Assembly for a fairly significant boost um to its funding um it wants about 73 million dollars more for its general funding and they'd also like to see another 200 million dollars specifically for student aid um so this is a time where uh the state is seeing a dramatic decline in uh freshman enrollments and uh college age students about the same time they're asking for a bigger budget request um so the, these things are hitting at uh, the worst possible time, but uh, I think you can view these things as a better late than never effort here. Where um, sure, they've made mistakes financially in the past. Um, that building boom in the early 2010s is a big drag. Uh, but at the same time, they're trying to they're taking it seriously. They're trying to cut some costs, but uh, there are no easy answers here. So it's uh, we'll see how budget negotiations work out. Whether they get this funding. Uh, but it's, it's been rough all around. I think you can say.
1: Very good. Uh, moving through into, uh, the medical area. Um, uh, we saw a story this past week, uh, related to house bill 681, um, uh, talking about non-compete agreements. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah. So uh, non-compete agreements, you, you'll see in a variety of different, um, uh, parts of the economy, uh, but essentially, um, you see a, a decent number um, in healthcare care, um, especially focused on uh, family physicians. Uh, essentially, when a doctor gets hired on somewhere, uh, often they they're required to sign a non-compete agreement that can limit either um, the area in which they can practice um, hospital systems, sometimes a state, depending on what the healthcare system looks like. Uh, so this can this can basically uh, either force physicians to stay, uh, you know, in, in a practice that they may not fit in well with, or that they're having issues in, or face with the uh, decision of not not even working in the healthcare field for a couple years, or having to move cities, move states to keep on working. Um, so this is you know th- this is fairly useful if you're an employer and you're hiring on these physicians and you don't necessarily want. Um, more local competition, or you want a way to uh, require uh, doctors to, you know, commit as long as uh, you're asking them to and, you know, avoiding any changes. Uh, The problem with this is that, you know, it's fairly, it's by definition, it's anti-competitive and that can hurt either um, access to healthcare. It can hurt, um, you know, patient options. um, It can hurt just uh, general, uh, you know, economic efficiency. Um, We've seen the American Medical Association argues that uh, physicians in training should not have to sign these covenants. Um, The American Academy of Family Physicians calls these lose-lose agreements and particularly harmful for smaller uh, medical practices. Um, So it's a live issue. Uh, There's been a few states that have actually just banned these um, in general, where California, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and the District of Columbia all have fairly strong bans on these agreements. Um, States like Illinois, Oregon, Nevada, Virginia have some some bans, but they're uh, they're weaker or more limited in scope. Um, But non non non-compete agreements in general have attracted federal attention where uh, Joe Biden issued an executive order last year asking the Federal Trade Commission to go and limit these uh, covenants or, you know, add some restrictions on when they can be used. Uh, So in Pennsylvania, it's. It's not looking like this bill will uh, will come up for consideration um, in the last few days of the legislative session. Um, it seems like, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be popped up um, in uh, committee to further it on. So it looks like we're not necessarily going to get any action uh, on these n- uh, non-compete agreements, but it is a live issue. It's an issue that it's not going to go away, go away anytime soon. Uh, so it might take a bit for this to work through le- legislator in some way, shape, or form, uh, but it's not an issue that's going to go away just because it's uh, it's not advancing anymore.
1: Have we have we heard any uh, of the uh, medical uh, organizations in in Pennsylvania um, side or or not side uh, with this issue?
0: Um, on the state level, I don't believe there's been a a specific, uh, state one. I mean, you know, many doctors in Pennsylvania will be associated with the American Medical Association, um, or the American Academy of Family Physicians. Uh, but it's it's one of these issues where it's, um, it's not necessarily a big push in Pennsylvania just yet, or at least from these, uh, Pennsylvania centered, uh, health organizations.
1: Okay, very good. Anthony, we appreciate you covering that for us. Uh, one of the other stories that uh, came across this week was a, um, a look at the, uh, uh, the, the great harm that is out there with, with drugs and the overdose deaths. Um, Pennsylvania has had their share, just like a lot of other states. Um, uh, there's been some reasons why uh, things have been exacerbated. Um, Anthony, tell us what you found in your reporting.
0: Yeah, so uh, so there's a bill floating around right now um, that was actually passed unanimously in the House, uh, but this would essentially uh, legalize fentanyl test strips for personal use. Um, this is sort of a reflection of just how hard hit the state has been um, from overdo- overdose deaths related to drugs um, and just from the trafficking of uh, fentanyl especially, but also heroin. Um, so this bill essentially is a, it's, it's interesting because you see a shift even among Republicans where there's a greater focus on harm reduction, um, and looking at these long-term costs where, uh, you know, it's not, it's not legalizing drug use. It's not legalizing the possession of fentanyl or heroin or anything like this. Um, but these test strips are essentially a way for, um, users to know how pure, um, you know, what drug they have is. Um, Pennsylvania is third in the nation for overdose drug deaths. Um, almost 5,400 people died in 2021. Um, and this has really been ex- exacerbated by fentanyl uh, displacing heroin um, in terms of opioid use. Um, just 20, in uh, 2015, uh, there was a drug overdose rate of 26.2 per 100,000 people. And five years later in 2020, it's jumped up to 42.4. So it's it's almost double. It's not there yet. Um, but it's just the uh, um, the availability and um, the uh, the availability of fentanyl has just it's it's much more dangerous to people using it. And so as a result, we've seen these overdoses uh, spike. And so we we see action from this uh, from House Republicans. Um, Attorney General Josh Shapiro uh, released a report a few weeks ago just talking about, how fentanyl has displaced heroin um, in drug users. And uh, even with, I mean, it's it's astonishing how much um, these fentanyl drug seizures seizures have jumped up up. Um, compared to last year. Just in the first three months of 2020, they've already seized, I think it's 40 times the amount of fentanyl that they did in 2021. Um, So there's a lot of this floating around. And this is really a shift um, in the General Assembly and in state government in general that uh you know this is an issue to take seriously and this is an issue of you know if legalizing these test strips uh can save you know a number of lives it's worth it both on the level of saving lives and also of causing fewer problems um, for state law enforcement for um, healthcare uh, practitioners in the state Um, it all seems to be coming together of you know trying to do something about this crisis so it's interesting to see um, you know how quickly this bill will move through the uh, legislature all right very good
1: anthony thank you for your insights again this week always a pleasure to be with you that is all the time that we do have we encourage you to follow anthony's work at thecentersquare.com where news that matters to the taxpayers of pennsylvania is always available this has been the Pennsylvania in Focus podcast, part of the America's Talking Network. Find all of the Center Squares podcasts at americastalking.com. For Anthony Hennan, I'm Alan Wooten, and we will talk to you next week.